Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Last week, I began a new series that will strengthen our marriages, our families, and our ability to love and to be loved by those around us. I told you that God longs for us to experience with each other what He longs to experience with us. And that's called relationship. And Satan will do whatever he possibly can to to ruin that experience for you. Love is not an emotion. I told you this last week. It's, It's not an emotion and therefore it should not be defined or even controlled by our emotions. God's Word tells us exactly what love is. 1 John 4 and 8 tells us that God is love. And then 1 Corinthians 13 and 8 tells us that love never fails. And and when you slam those two verses together, you realize love never fails because God never fails. And when you learn to love your spouse with God's love for your spouse, you're never going to run out of love for them because God's love will never run out for them. On my iPhone, I have this app that's called Find Friends. And it has the ability, it's really amazing, it has the ability to show me where certain friends or family members are at at any given moment. I just open the app and, and I, can, I can pick a satellite view, I can pick a, a map view, or I can actually do a hybrid between the two. And, and if I've been given access to track their phone, then I can, I can track them and know where they're at. The only people that I have on this app are my wife and and our twins, Caleb and Kendall. They're the only three people that I I track on this phone. And to be honest with you, I hardly ever use it. Um, uh, My wife uses it quite often, but my wife is very nosy at times. And um, (laughs) that's next week. I I get to preach about that this week because uh, next week I'll I'll feel bad about saying that. Um, But no. Um, And I don't have a problem sharing my location. And let me say this. I'm just going to kind of throw this out there. If you have a hard time sharing your location with your spouse, you're probably the problem in your marriage. Um, You would not put up with that from your kids. If you want to track your kids, if you want to know where they're at uh, and, and they tell you, I don't want you to know, then you know they're up to no good, right? And so if you are the spouse that says, no, I, I, don't, I really don't want you knowing where I'm at at all times. I'm a grown man. I'm a grown woman. That's none of your business. You're probably the problem. And uh, you probably need to, to call my administrative assistant, set up some time for us to meet, and we can talk about that. There are occasions where I will use this Find Friends app. And, and what's What's crazy about it to me is that I'll pull it up. It, it always has those three people listed on it, and it begins to find their location whenever I pull it up. And, and often, Kendall in Cleveland, Tennessee, she's at college in Cleveland, Tennessee, she'll be the first one that it finds, and she'll pop up, and I'll see you know, her location. And then almost always, the second one to come up will be Caleb, and Caleb is, is always at UF. He's, he's, he, I mean, he still sleeps at home, but he's always at UF. And so it, it'll pop up. My wife will be sitting four feet from me on the couch. And hers is always the last one that comes up. She's the last one that it locates for some reason. And she's sitting four feet from me. And, and this is what scares me about our homes. How many of us are living in the same house, we're sitting on the same couch, we're even sleeping in the same bed most of the nights, and um, 
we have no idea where our spouse is at in life or even what they're dealing with. They're four feet away, but it might as well be 4,000 miles away because we are living life so divided. Such people are already mentally separated, but physically still living together. And I think what we have to realize during moments like that is that spiritually you are more connected than you ever dreamed that you are. In the eyes of God, you are married. You are one. And, and the enemy is trying his best to separate that. Because together, you and your spouse, you are a strong force. And I hope that you realize that by the end of this sermon today. You are a strong force. And when you are in unity, you and your spouse, you are able to build your home from a common blueprint. When Mandy and I were first married, it was so easy for me to fall into the trap to think we will always get along. We will never have a disagreement. After all, we planned a huge wedding. There was close to 500 people at our wedding. And, and we planned a huge wedding without getting in an argument, without fighting and all, and all of that. And so we get married and then it, it dawns on me, I really didn't have much to do with the planning of the wedding anyway. It was mainly her and her mom. And I remember the first little mobile home that we bought, and, and we didn't have a, a lot of options there. You know, I remember it had green carpet, and, and the panels on the walls were, were flowery in, in most of the rooms, and, and we didn't have a lot of options there. Then we built our first house. And I think God really smiled upon us with our first house because we were not given a lot of options with our first house. Um, we had like, you know, three colors of brick we could pick from, you know, like three wall colors that we could pick from. Um, the cabinets were very limited. The tile, there was only a certain amount of tile. And so Mandy and I, we sat down with the builder and we just picked out all of this stuff for the house. And it was very simple. I thought, man, I've heard of people getting divorced over building houses. This is easy. This is easy. Well, then we built our second house a year ago. And it's more of what they would call a custom built home. And the options were endless. I told Mandy by the end of that process, I never want to build another house again. I, I, it, it was so frustrating to me because now you've got two people. Later in life, we've both got our opinions. And now we've got all of these uh, options that are floating around. And, and the colors were endless. The cabinets were endless. The tile was endless. Uh, I mean, it was just what, whatever you, we had to pick out. I remember a, a, a huge point of contention with us. What, it, it was the, the dining room lights and, and kitchen lights. What would hang down, the pendants and stuff that would hang down. And I remember Mandy and I standing in Lowe's and Home Depot about to punch each other. I mean, it's just like, what do you think? That's one of the ugliest fixtures I've ever seen. Why would you pick that? You know, and we were, we were so frustrated. It's still to this day, still to this day, there's, there's this, I lost this battle because there were certain lights I wanted hanging above the counter that I did not win. I did not win that battle. And um, the other day, there was an advertisement uh, for some home, home decor, uh, you know, interior decorating or something. And I pointed it out to Mandy on the page. I was like, look, look at the lights. Look at the pendants that the professionals use. You know, look at that. This is good. <laughs> It was rough. It was so hard having all of those choices. And, and, and we, we just, we were on two different pages. And some marriages, some marriages in this room, you are on two different pages. Matter of fact, you might be in two different books or maybe in two different libraries for all I know. Because you are so far divided, so far apart. 
And one of the benefits of having a spouse that is a believer, and, and, and those of you that you have a spouse that is a believer, count your blessings with this. It's the reason why I look at those that are not yet married, and I tell them, be careful, be careful. Do not become unequally yoked. You should marry a believer if you're a believer. And, and I know that there are a few cases out there, and I always hear this when I make a statement, you know, of, of Pastor, well, I wasn't a believer, and because my spouse was praying, I later became a, a believer. And, and that's great. I praise God for that, but that is not the norm. That, that, those, those cases are few and far between. And Scripture tells us, do not be unequally yoked. Do not be connected with an unbeliever when it comes to those kind of, kinds of relationships. And so we must be careful with that. And so some of you here today, you, 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 you're in a struggle right now because you're married to someone who is not a believer, and God expects you to stay married to them, Okay. And it's going to take a lot of prayer. It's going to take fasting. It's going to take you hitting your knees, connecting with heaven, and fighting, fighting for your marriage because it's going to be rough at times. But, but I've seen God perform miracles, and I even believe today God will perform a miracle for you. But for those of us that we have believers as spouses, we have a unique power that, that seldom do we tap into. Because one of the benefits of having a spouse that is a believer is that you should, notice the word there, should, you should be able to build your home from a common blueprint. You should be able to build your home from a common blueprint. You cannot build a house from two sets of plans. It's, it's impossible. If you try and do that, the result is going to be a very weak, poorly built home. And divided, as so many of our homes may be at times, divided, your home is weak and your home is vulnerable. And today, I, I want to help put an end to that. And through God's help, I want us to help eliminate that so that we don't have weak and vulnerable homes. Because when you have a common blueprint, parents, you can raise your children with shared values. And that is so important for us to have those shared values. Together, you can establish godly boundaries around your home and around your children, around your marriage. Boundaries that need to be there because it's like a picture frame. Those boundaries around that picture help protect that picture from damage. Well, the boundaries around our homes, around our children, around our marriages, they help protect from what the enemy would try and destroy your marriage with. And so together, you can establish godly boundaries. Together, you can create a sense of security for your home. And together, you get to create unity within that home. I want to read this morning from Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19. And in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is being confronted by the Pharisees. And, and they're asking him some hard questions because they know if they can get him to disagree with the law of, of Moses, if they can get him to disagree with, with the law, which is what they hang everything on. It, it's more than religion to them. It, it, it is a way of life for them. And if they can catch him disagreeing with the law, then, then maybe that would be enough to kill him. It depends on how severe, how much he disagrees with the law. And so they, they, they try and trick him with this question. And here's what Jesus, here's the conversation that takes place in Matthew 19. I want to start reading in verse 3. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, 
And he, he begins to quote Genesis chapter 2. Listen to what he says. He quotes the law. and Here's what he says. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. I, I, I love that, and I'm going to keep reading here in just a moment, but, but listen to what he said. What God has joined together, let not man separate. Listen, if you're thinking about divorce, you might be sitting next to your spouse right now thinking about divorce. That, that let not man separate, that includes you. That includes you. What God has joined together, you don't even have the right to separate. You might think that you have the right to separate, but what God has joined together, let not man separate. You see, God created marriage. God created marriage as the first institution hundreds of years before he created the church. And the enemy has been out to destroy that from the very beginning. And so what God has joined together, let not no man, no one should separate what God has put together. Verse 7 says, they said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives but from the beginning, it was not so. Jesus says, from the very beginning of creation, when God first created Adam and Eve, the first husband and wife, when he first put them together, he said divorce was not an option. When Mandy and I first started talking about building a new home a few years ago, we were not in agreement. We thought we were at first, but... but then we went and, and we had a meeting with the builder, and it was very apparent to me that we were not to build a home, at least not at that time. If you know me and you know the way I operate, and, and, and I'm not, I don't have time to get into it today, but I am a man of fleeces. I believe in laying fleeces out before the Lord, very specific fleeces. And if those fleeces are not met, then it is simply no. God does not want me to do that. Or if the fleece is met, then yes, God wants me to do that. And so I would lay out just very specific signs. And I had a list of things that the builder was going to have to agree to before we could build that house. And, and about three or four of those things were not met during that meeting. And so I walked out of that meeting knowing we do not need to build this house. Call me naive, whatever it is. I just live life that way. And it's, it's helped me through life that I just believe God wants me in the, in the know. Uh, God wants me to be clear about certain things. And so if I lay out specific questions to be answered and they're not answered, then the answer is no for me. And so I walked out of that meeting. I remember getting in the car, looking at Mandy. And I said, what do you think? And she was like, yeah, you know, there's a few things we've got to work out, but, but this, 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 this can happen. And I remember looking at her and saying, no, we're not building. This, this cannot happen right now. And the look on her face of disappointment, because I could tell Mandy wanted to build. And, and what woman would not want to build? I mean, it, it, you know, she gets to pick out new cabinets and new tile would almost be the end of us. But, but she, she gets to, 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 you know, finally pick out the home. The last home that we built, we didn't even get to pick out the floor plan. It was already being built whenever we, we decided to, to, to buy that home. And so she gets to design this home the way she wants to. And, and most of us, we can understand that, but we were not on the same page. And just as a side note here, let me point out that up to that point, Mandy and I had never had an argument about money in the history of our marriage. The number one cause of divorce 
We never had that argument. We had never argued about money. And one of the reasons why I believe that we never argued about money was because we were both tithers. As, as teenagers, we were tithers. And so when we came together as, as one in marriage, tithing was not an option for us. It, it, it was the only way for us to live and the only way for us to survive. And so early on in our marriage, when, when we didn't have much, tithing is what got us through. And so for us, money was never going to be that area of contention. It was never going to be that problem for us. We're just that naive enough to believe that when we tithe, we get to trust God that he'll be faithful to his word. But there was something different in our conversations because now all of a sudden it's not necessarily about money, but it is. And now we were at odds with each other and and Mandy and I were no longer in agreement the way that we had always lived our lives and our married lives together. We never made big decisions without being in agreement. And some of you, you need, you, before you buy that boat, you better have that woman on, on board with it. But before you go buy that new car, make sure your husband is on board with that. You, you make major financial decisions together. But now we were at odds with each other, and she wanted a new home. And it wasn't that I didn't want it, but I did not believe that it was the right thing for us. And when the enemy found us vulnerable in disagreement, the enemy began to move in to our thought process. Truth be told, two years earlier... I sold my truck so that we could buy two cars for Caleb and Kendall. They didn't ask to be twins. And a, a desire that Mandy and I had when they were first born was that the day would come when they would turn 16 and we wanted to buy them two used cars, one for him, one for her. And we had enough money, we had saved enough money to buy about one car, maybe, you know, maybe one and a half cars. And, you know, how's that going to work? And it wasn't their fault that they were twins. And, and some of you in the room, you're going, well, they could have just been in one car and you know, went to school together that way. But their schedules didn't permit. Even though they went to the same high school, Caleb played basketball and Kendall had other things she was doing. And so it just, it, it would not work out that way. And so we had this desire. So I sold my truck in order for us to be able to buy them both a car. And it was a great, great day. I remember that party, their 16th birthday party, where we were able to hand our kids keys to, to good used cars, and, and, and that was our gift to them. Now you fast forward to two and a half years. Mandy's wanting to build a house. I feel like we're putting the brakes on, and in the middle of that disagreement, when we're extremely vulnerable, the enemy starts messing with me and starts saying things like this. Everybody else in your home has a car, but you have to depend on everybody else for a ride. And wouldn't you know it, in the middle of a heated argument one day, it blew up. And I let her have it. I told her, I said, Mandy, it's not fair. So everybody else has a car. I've sacrificed. Before we build a house, you need to understand I need a car. The look on her face this was the first that she had ever heard of that. I had never communicated that to her. And in all fairness, the argument stopped right there. Mandy realized at that moment that there was something that was bothering me. And because of a lack of communication, 
We had not spelled that out for each other. And, and, and now, finally, it was out in the open. As long as I kept it under wraps, Mandy and I were at odds. But at the moment that I made it known, her whole demeanor changed. A few months later, I bought a good used Jeep, and a year later, we built a house. And all of those line items, the fleece that I laid out, they were met. You know, Satan hates unity. Satan hates unity. He hates unity among co-workers, and he longs to shut down the productivity of that business. He hates unity on, in your workplace. He hates unity among church members. And it's the reason why so many churches struggle is because there's no unity there. Because he wants to get the members so caught up in disagreement that they lose sight of winning the loss. You know that's our job, right? You know that that's what we're called to do, right? But he will get us so inward focused if we're not careful. And I praise God that we don't have that here at this church. But, but, but church members, too often, they'll come to a disagreement. And they become so focused on that disagreement that they lose sight of what God wants to use that church to do and the people he wants to reach. And the enemy hates unity among husbands and wives. He hates it. And he wants to tear it apart. And that's why Satan fights for the division of your home. You see, Satan believes in the power of unity more than you believe in the power of unity, and that's why he's fighting you so hard. Satan believes in the power of unity more than you do. How do I know that? Because the divorce rate is still 50% of all marriages, whether you're Christian or non-Christian, 50% of our marriages fail. Satan believes in the power of unity more than you do. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20, Jesus said, and again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Listen to what he says. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. If you can get a husband and a wife in unity in Christ Jesus, the promise is there he is among them, and, and then you have the, the power, you have the ability to do some amazing things. Then you have a kid, and you start raising that kid, and now it's not two, it's three people under the same roof. And, and Suddenly, amazing things start happening in that home. We don't know what that feels like because we had twins, both at the same time. So it went from two to four, you know. It was single coverage at that moment. We, we didn't have, it was, you know, it, it's just the way it works. Some of you, you've already given the enemy a foothold in your marriage. And listen, save your emails. Save your emails. I don't want them. Somebody here is going to disagree with me today. But let me tell you where you've given the enemy a foothold in your marriage. It's in your finances. Because you got married and you kept his account and her account, and never shall the two be combined. He has his bills, she has her bills, and, and, and that's the way you want it. And if, if finances are the number one cause of divorce, you've already given the enemy a foothold in your marriage. So what do you argue about? It's always money related. Often it comes back to money. It, she gets to do this and I don't get to do that He gets to do this. I don't get to buy this He made this decision without my approval. She made this decision without my approval And it becomes one of the the biggest divisions of marriage and 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 if you're not careful You will give him a foothold in your marriage before you even get started good And some of you you've been living that way for years and and there's never going to be unity in your home 
If money is the issue in your home, let me tell you something. Do these two things and I'll guarantee, I'll guarantee that it works. Guaranteed. Combine your accounts. Two become one. That means everything. Two become one with everything. Combine your accounts and then tithe. A blessed 90% goes farther than a cursed 100% all day long. Trust God with that, with your first fruits. Don't wait till you pay your bills and, and then give to God. No, pay Him first. Give God what belongs to Him first and then trust that the 90% is going to be blessed. I'm, I'm moving on because that, that gets some of you in an uproar right there. That's, that's your heart problem because your heart's connected to your money. No amens. That's okay. <laughs> Satan uses conflict to bring division to your marriage. Some of you, it was on the way to the church this morning. Conflict happened. There was an uproar. Conflict. And society has convinced us that the best way to settle an agreement is to agree to disagree. That is the worst concept for marriage. It's a horrible practice. It's a great practice when you and your coworker disagree on politics. Agree to disagree. Get out of that conversation. It's okay. When you and your mother-in-law discuss your child's social media or, or, or cell phone activity, agree to disagree. You're still the parent. You make the decision. But agree to disagree on that. Or, or when your youth pastor is a USF Bulls fan. <laughs> and you're a diehard Gator fan. Agree to disagree. That's okay. But when it comes to your marriage... Listen to me, church. When it comes to your marriage, never agree to disagree. Agree to agree. There's something that happens. There is a power that takes place when you agree to agree. Because when two are in agreement, the enemy knows that crazy things spiritually start happening for that household. Agree to disagree, or agree to agree, don't agree to disagree. Amos 3 and 3 tells us, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? No. If Mandy and I want to take a walk together, and, and it's something Mandy wants to do, and I'm just like, no, nah, I'm very comfortable sitting in front of the TV right now. But, but if we finally take that walk together, you know, and, and we start walking, if, if she goes down the street and I just sit there and do circles in the cul-de-sac, we're not in agreement there. I'm just getting back to the TV faster than she is, right? You cannot agree to walk in the same direction. And unless you do, nothing is going to change in your life. Philippians 2 and 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 12 and 25. He said, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. There is something to be said about unity in the household. It, it might create some of the hardest conversations that you will ever have with your spouse. But don't agree to disagree. Fight it out until you agree to agree. Now, if you're, if you're here today and you say, we never fight in our marriage, man, when it does hit, you're going to blow up. But for the rest of us that are a little normal around here and we have spats and we have arguments and stuff, it's okay to fight. It's perfectly fine to fight. Just fight fair. Fight fair. Don't bring up his ex-girlfriend. That's not fair. Don't, don't bring up something that he did 10 months ago or she did 10 months ago. No, if you weren't brave enough to talk about it then, don't bring it up now. 
Fight fair. But have those moments where, where, where it is tense because you don't agree, but somehow through talking it out, you're going to come to that agreement. Mandy and I, we did not agree on building a house. And when I finally said it and put it out there, the argument was over because now she understood what my heart was dealing with. And if you will have some of those uncomfortable conversations that need to take place, you will find yourselves agreeing to agree. But then there's this, this other part that Jesus says, and, and I'm, I'm finishing up here, but Jesus looked at the Pharisees and he told them, he says, in, in answer to your question about Moses, that Moses would allow them a certificate of divorce, he said in answer to that, he said, Moses allowed divorce because of the hardness of your hearts. He didn't even separate them from what happened hundreds of years earlier. He, he was looking at them. He said, Moses allowed you to divorce because of the hardness of your hearts. In other words, you're so stubborn because you're not getting your way that Moses granted you a way out. But by the way, that's not the way God intended for it to be in the beginning. That's what Jesus said. And like a spoiled brat that can't get along with others, Moses catered to you instead of teaching you to play nice, to make friends, to be in agreement. He took you to your own personal playground where you had to play by yourself. And it's not healthy. It's not God's design for you. It's not God's design for your life. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. We must walk in unity with other believers. We must walk in unity with our spouses. Why? Because there's power in that. In Colossians 3 and 14, it says, above all these virtues, listen, all these wonderful virtues, above all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Put on love. Put on love when they're, we're in the middle of a fight, when we're in the middle of a disagreement. Put on love. Don't forget what love is. God is love. And what he's telling you to do is put on God. Wear God in the middle of your argument. It's hard to hate your spouse. It's hard to, to wish ill upon them when you are wearing the cloak of God upon you. Because when you put on his mercy, when you put on his grace, when you put on his forgiveness... It'll bring unity to your marriage, and in that unity, there is power. So what's love got to do with it? It's got everything to do with it, because God is love, and God needs to be at the very center point of your home. And he's told us numerous times, when you come together as one, and you create unity, amazing things are going to happen in your home. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.